Okay, but hello everyone. Welcome to the Garbage Club, uh, where we watch bad movies with our friends. Um, this week, we had uh, a bit of a technical difficulty recording for um, this week's movie, which was Now You See Me. The first half of the episode got completely uh, corrupted. So I'm just going to run through the intro real fast here, and then I can get to the second half of the episode where everyone talks about their highlights. And um, we have a new segment, which hopefully you guys will enjoy. So this week we had myself, Vivian, John, Ryan, and Rob. And like I said earlier, uh, and by earlier I mean two seconds ago, this week we watched Now You See Me. So Now You See Me is a 2013 movie. In broad strokes, it is a magician heist movie, but uh, as cool as that sounds, it doesn't manage to live up to that. So the the basic plot is that it focuses on uh, four magicians. The first we meet is J. Daniel Atlas, played by Jesse Eisenberg. Then I think it's on to Merritt... McKinney, Jacobs, Merritt, something, um, played by Woody Harrelson. Then we've got Isla Fisher, played by... Wait, no, that's not her name. I mean, that is her name. (laughs) I think Isla Fisher is playing Henley Reeves. Then finally, it's Dave Franco, the better Franco, playing Jack Wilder. And each of these magicians have their own specialty, which we may or may not talk about later. Um, but in broad strokes, Dave Franco is the kind of like street rat, close-up magic but not really magician. Henley and or Isla Fisher is the escape artist. Merritt and or Woody Harrelson is the mentalist slash hypnotist. So he's, he's a hypnotist, but the movie for some reason calls it mentalism. Um, and then Jesse Eisenberg is kind of the Chris Angel type, like, also street magician, but, like, does bigger illusions. Maybe he's the illusionist. So the the movie focuses on the four magicians who call themselves the Four Horsemen. They basically, the, the call to action in this movie is they get these tarot cards that lead them to this apartment in New York. They all, like, come up to the apartment and fool fool around that sounds gross uh, they they're like oh why are we called to this apartment someone presses a switch accidentally it sets off this rube goldberg machine that is just like it knocks over a glass of water and then the water seeping into the floor sets off the fog machines and then the fog machines trigger a 3d projection of uh we don't really see what it is i think ryan claimed that it was like kind of obviously plans but they are indeed plans but it's not very hinted at at all in this opening segment so uh smash cut to a the title b one year later and it's just like the four horsemen have done all of their growing together as a group um presumably have become friends or completely different characters we don't know the movie doesn't tell you 
Uh, and this is when you're introduced to kind of the rest of the cast. So the the first thing they do is they do this uh, magic heist where they break into a bank in Paris. And, like, everyone at the show doesn't think this is an actual crime, but it comes out that it, it was an actual crime. They did steal all this money. So they get arrested by the two two of our ancillary characters, uh, I guess they're sort of the antagonists. Um, and again, we might talk about this later. Uh, but Dylan Rhodes, played by Mark Ruffalo, and Alma Dre, played by Melanie Lauren. Uh, I'm pronouncing that the French way, so hopefully that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's actually French. She plays an Interpol agent from France. And then the the two final cast members we have here are Thaddeus Bradley, played by Morgan Freeman, and Arthur Tressler, played by Michael Caine. And so uh, as the movie progresses, we kind of go through, I think, two more magic heists. And then also, um, so Morgan Freeman plays the skeptic. And he's like, after every heist, we go back to Morgan Freeman explaining to us what heist they pulled. And it's it's an interesting format for the movie because I feel like you are kind of better off not knowing how they pulled the heist. Um, We get into this a little bit later, but that's the gist of the movie. Um, There is a big plot twist at the end. Uh, I'm doing air quotes right now. You can't see it because it's the podcast. We kind of dance around it on purpose because I don't want to spoil anyone for this. I think it's a stupendous moment to experience for yourself. So uh, I, as we do with all of our movies, but especially this one, because this is like my bad movie baby that I have to show everyone, and in, indeed the impetus for me creating this podcast, I think everyone should experience it for themselves and uh, hopefully enjoy it also. But I'm going to cut back to, you know, everyone else. So you're not just listening to me ramble on. So hopefully that covers everything. And if we reference something that I, I didn't cover earlier. Um, yeah, that's that's what happened is we, we lost the first half of the podcast. So yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave the podcast cave now. So should we just uh, get into the things we actually liked about the film and yeah. just picking apart yeah. this plot structure? So our new segment is called Highlights, or as I like to call it, Trash Lights. Uh, but actually, no, there are our favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> trash torches lighting up our day. Yeah, trash torches. <laughs> Maybe we could go with, um, like, one one man's garbage is uh, my treasure. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, it's my, I'll think my, of... my lunch. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> lunch. It sustains me. Excellent. You, you realize that's an actual phrase. I know. I'm trying to riff on it. <laughs> Okay, well, so uh, I, c- I can start because I had one that I wanted to get into a bit earlier, um, which is the one scene in which I think like they really do actually manage to set off and pay uh, set up and pay off a trick in a in a really satisfying way is the uh, the second heist or the second show stage show in the film uh, has a part where. Uh, Woody Harrelson hypnotizes a bunch of the uh, the audience members uh, to be a football team, and he has them like run around and like do a hoo ah chant and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah," and and he uh, he says the code word uh, for you to like 
snap back into being a football player is the word freeze. And so, like, you know, he sets them up, he does that, and then he go, he sends them back to their seats to get on with the show. Oh, and um, he, he specifically, before he sends them back, says, when you hear that, you have to just murder the quarterback. Yes. <laughs> just rip him limb from limb, which is really quite scary, considering that yeah. he does seem to have complete control over these people. And, um, like, how there's the implication that people take these things very literally yes when they're hypnotized uh, again much like Kilgrave <laughs> so uh, then they get on with the rest of the show and they reveal like oh we're doing this to like actually sort of stab in the back the character who's been funding them who's played by Michael Caine because he's a bad dude and so they steal all his money and like haha good job and then the FBI uh, agent played by Mark Ruffalo rushes in because they know he's in the crowd and he's there to, to catch them so they all like Runs to the back of the stage. He pulls out his gun. He yells, freeze. And suddenly half the audience pounces on him and, like, falls into the ground while the the horsemen make their escape. And, like, that works really well because we've seen them set up the trick and we've seen it pay off in almost like a... Like, I, I think of how, like, a Sherlock Holmes mystery works really well because we've seen all of the stuff. And then when... Sh- Holmes he like makes his big deduction. He goes, "Aha! Well, actually, the snake crawled through the the heating vent and strangled them, and that's why there was no bite marks." Uh, you're like, "Oh yeah, no, I saw the heating vent. I saw the snake. Like, I can put it together in a satisfying way." And it just makes me really sad that the rest of the movie, like, when I heard the premise for this movie, I was like, "It's Oceans and Eleven, but instead of like, you know, the driver and the the explosive expert, you know, it's the the sleight of hand." And that's, the escape artist. And like, that's what it was. Ocean's Eleven meets The Prestige. Right. That's the movie I want to see. Yeah, this movie, it didn't do it nearly as much as it should have, but this movie was definitely at its best when each of them was heavily playing into their role. Like, a lot of the time, they kind of just blur into, like, jack-of-all-trades, every just we just magician people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was really good whenever, like, they were very clear, like, I can escape from things, and, like, I can be scrappy and evasive, and I can use sleight of hand to just, I don't know, surprise people, and I can control everyone's mind. Right, but when they do that, uh, I want to know, like, in the moment, what they're doing, even if I don't find out why until later. It just feels like a cop-out when, like, you don't actually see what really happened in the scene until a flashback 15 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find this, like, because uh, I was watching this with John again, uh, separately from when I watched it with Ryan and Matt. <laughs> but uh, John was, like, very into this scene, and he only brought up the fact that, like, they set up the mentalism thing where it's like, okay, whoever yells freeze at the quarterback, you attack the quarterback, and then that pays off. But that scene actually has two big payoffs in it, where the scene before was, or, like, two scenes earlier mm-hmm. was them talking to um the Tressler they were talking to Michael Kane and uh Atlas pretends to do like to try the mentalism on Michael Kane he's like oh i can totally do the mentalism this is so easy and he does a really bad job yeah he interrupts Woody Harrelson and he's like Psh, you, what you do isn't all that good whatever i can do it too and then he tries to do it on Michael Kane and he just like fails miserably in in the scene but then two, again two scenes later at the end of 
their their act they're like oh well how would we know your bank account information to be able to like get get into it oh we wouldn't we would never know your mother's maiden name which they get from him by pretending to be bad at mentalism and like your pet's name Wait, oh really because i yeah. i just assumed that they just looked that information up because that's really easy no, information to no, get no that's not <laughs> Like I mean, mother's maiden name and like mother's maiden name is mother's maiden name is easy. Are hard. If for for like a a like a billionaire, that no, has child, like had a public life. pets aren't really like yeah. That's what what pretty hard. Like, okay, these people have crazy resources. Also, like this, <laughs> if you begin to analyze this scene to that level, you have to then also think this guy doesn't bank online. <laughs> He has, like, a dude who does all of his banking. He has a personal banker. Yeah, he doesn't know any of his numbers or shit like that. No, he he plays... Michael Caine plays it close to the chest. (laughs) They they literally stole $140 million from him. Yeah, but, like, so even if they they did that, they did it very publicly, the bank would probably just be like, you know what, whatever, you could just have $140 million while we work this out. We know you're good for it, right? Like... They would, they would just take the money from all those people. Well, and also, they're not stealing from the insurance company. They're stealing from, like, stealing from one him guy personally. who ran the insurance company. Like, that doesn't actually affect the insurance company that much. Do you guys know how corporations no, I mean, work? It was, it was very satisfying. <laughs> I, I admit I did not think of that angle. Um, but also, so the scene on the plane... Um, Isla Fisher actually like calls out um, Dave Franco and she's like oh no da- uh, Dave would be or Jack Wilder would be so much better at uh, this at, at trying mentalism don't don't let Danny do it and uh, that is surprisingly paid off in the second movie oh spoilers yeah I don't want to spoil you too much but like ooh continuity yeah that movie this series <laughs> has continuity now Which, impressive because there's barely continuity throughout the first film yeah I thought you guys would be more surprised to be honest <laughs> Maybe it's like a Fast and Furious kind of like cinematic universe series, right? Where like right now we're just looking really close, so we can't we're missing so much. Mm-hmm. But once yeah. there's more movies, we'll suddenly realize like every tiny detail is actually setting up yeah. like a little like, joke or like a flirtatious line like 5 movies later. We haven't seen all 7 movies yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like Fast and the Furious the first one is probably like okay. Second one, yeah. I mean, it's gonna take a few more movies until they get really good, and especially when they bring in The Rock, this series was, is gonna be I was amazing. Gonna say they really need to bring in The Rock in like the third oh, or fourth man, movie. Yes. <laughs> also, when you look back at the earlier movies, they're suddenly gonna be way better because you're just gonna be like, oh so, my god, this they wow, I should have seen all right? this coming. <laughs> Uh, I, I take it back. I think actually my favorite part of this mo- the film then is not the like two times that it actually delivers on its promise, and is in fact that it simply sets up. Now you see me four starring The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, does anyone else have their highlight? Yeah. Um, my highlight. Um, honestly, I I seriously cannot get over. Step one, become world-class magicians. Like, there was a whole movie that happened, like, where they were training, where they had, like, trials and tribulations, where we got to know them as characters. We see none of that. That's, uh, that's Now You See Me <laughs> the 6, the, the early years. <laughs> now You See Me 5, The Lost Chapters. <laughs> I was actually going to say, I'm pretty sure that's the fifth one. Oh, oh I was one off. The Horseman Chronicles. 
<laughs> the horsemen are like horsemen beginnings. But, I don't know. There's just something like <laughs> really incredible about a movie that just jumps that hard. Like I've never experienced that level of whiplash from yeah. a, an open, like a cold opening scene. Suddenly, like they do the opening title. Opening title goes away. Boom! World class magicians. And there's not the scene after. Like I'd be okay with that if there was the scene after their stage show where they're like, "Boy, hasn't it been crazy? How like a year ago we were just like this and we built it up from nothing with the help of our mysterious band." Nope. They don't appreciate it at all. They didn't experience any hard work. They barely broke a sweat. They just they saw the blueprints and were like, "Oh, this is a thing we should do." This is how you do it, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, apparently during that time they did things like I go to Europe and like brainwash a guy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, oh also God. like get Michael Caine to sponsor them for millions and millions of dollars of Las okay. Vegas show. That's in their first trick they rob a bank and it's a French bank. And like this ties into my whole like I love that they just went through ridiculous means to accomplish very simple goals, right? So like they robbed this bank and they it's a French bank, so they wanted to as part of their trick send a French guy to rob his bank. Um and it had to be this French bank, so they needed a Frenchman to come to their show. So rather than just hoping that one would show up in their Las Vegas show, they spent months in France just subtly hinting to this one dude <laughs> through various, like, signs or, like, do like little gestures that they do when they bump into him and stuff like that, that he should go to America, to Las Vegas, to watch a magic to show. To a specific show <laughs> and get a specific seat in a specific row. Yeah, they seated the numbers. That they have then, like, also timed that show... Because in order to actually pull this off, they already have the money in the U.S., so they had to set all this up, work out when he's coming, have that show. I guess it's a one-off show, so maybe that's not too hard. Rob the bank, like, the night before, fly to Vegas with the money somehow. Customs must have questions for them. Yeah, they don't uh, really cover how they moved the money at all. Magic. And again, they only explain how they got the money in a flashback. That could have been a pretty cool scene, but, uh, no. Well, because they, they, I think they don't explain it until a flashback because they want the audience, they, it's weird, they want the audience to buy it as magic, and then Morgan Freeman shows up and just goes like, this wasn't magic. I, uh... This is how they did I it. I take it back. My favorite thing about this movie was Morgan Freeman as William Defoe in The Boondock Saints. Um, <laughs> just every scene, you have no context for what just happened. And then he shows up and explains everything. And there's a flashback at the same time. And he's infuriated that he can't catch them. But he's just damned impressed by what they can pull off. Same character. So, yeah. My my favorite moment actually takes place within one of his flashback explanations, um, which is explain when he explains how Dave Franco's character didn't actually die in the car chase, which is just like it it leads to like so the four horsemen like three of the four horsemen escape this building. And they leave Dave Franco behind to, like, burn some papers. 
but then like they the other three like basically get in place to help Dave Franco fake his death in the car chase. But like the other three weren't chased at they all. They all almost die doing this stunt too. Like Jesse Eisenberg almost yeah. takes a car to the face. <laughs> and it's just like why didn't you just and like if if you purposely wanted that wanted the like the cops to get their hands on this one piece of paper why didn't you just leave it? Yeah, why, why did you fake burn it and then have a yeah. freeway chase? Like, why, why did you have to have a fight scene and a car chase? In like, it just, it just. All right, step three of our plan to get get the papers to the cops. You're gonna need to fake your death. All right, can do. What's the next step? And like, once again, him faking his death serves no purpose. It's not like it throws the cops off the scent because... Yeah, they don't give a fuck. They're just good. One dead magician. Also, the cops fucking hate magicians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, All the, cops. The venom. Like, Mark Ruflo keeps trying to shoot them. And, like, the Interpol agent is like, they have not committed a crime that justifies you yeah, shooting them. They don't have a weapon <laughs> on them. Due process, like, asshole. Yeah, and then his, Mark Ruffalo's supervisor, I'm pretty sure, comes in and is so mad that Mark Ruffalo has not shot the these magicians yet because <laughs> they hate magicians it's yeah. not even a statement on like our police state or anything no. it is literally cops hate magicians yeah it's just a, an established fact <laughs> the interpol agent is who is from france it's just like you you don't need to shoot right now and he's like this is america we shoot for way less than this Oh my god. And then she's like, I think I'm falling in love with you. (laughs) Yeah, best line, uh, we have a saying where we come from. Faith can move mountains. That's not a French saying. (laughs) Well, that's directly in response to Mark Ruffalo saying, people say I'm hard to read. That's an American saying. Do you understand it? Yeah, an equally generic idiom. (laughs) Uh, people are crazy condescending in this movie, especially uh, Morgan Freeman. Like, anytime Mark Ruffalo is com- confused by the complete lack of information that he has about shit, <laughs> Morgan Freeman just clicks his tongue <laughs> and is awesome. like, You vain fool. The, the movie. You stupid little baby. You just try. You try to get your tiny little pea brain around the great machinations around you, but it's so fucking clear. And it's it's strictly because they're magicians. It's not like these specific magicians. It's very clear that it's just magicians in general are supposed to be so much smarter than anyone uh, else. Typical magician shit. They had a whole fake room under the stage. Yeah, it's, it's not like Morgan Freeman is never impressed by anything they're done, which would help kind of them become the protagonist because they're just this incredibly smart magician group. He's just like, yeah, should have seen the old mirror in the box He's trick. Like, with- any magician would have known With that. With the awe of an exterminator, like, killing raccoons under your porch. <laughs> Damn, Wait that's a, a second. Big one. Wait a oh, second. Oh, yeah, you got magicians down here. There's, like, eight fake trap doors. They're, oh, man, they're dug in deep. <laughs> it, it really strikes me, like, the script was sort of, like, a lot of it feels like a first draft. Where, where uh, they, they explain how everything was done in, like, notes hastily scribbled in the margins. And, and like, all of the interactions are like... It, it, like, like, Mark Ruffalo is saying, 
people say I'm hard to read. That's an American saying. Feels like they they kind of threw it in with a note to like come up with better saying later. Yeah. <laughs> or or like the amount of research they do in any location where what's in Paris? Uh, I don't know that one bridge with the lovers locks. Yeah, people have probably never heard of that. That must be like a cool thing to include. What's in New Orleans? Uh, French people, so the French Interpol agent can get. Like, like she goes, oh, Mark Ruffalo, you're so goofy for not knowing that knowing French is useful in New Orleans. Which is A, everyone knows that New Orleans is a French history. And B, not even true because they speak yeah. Creole. Also, like, a, not a lot of people in modern day New Orleans speak French or Creole. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some people do. Anyway, uh, so I, I have a new conspiracy theory. All of those notes scribbled in the margins about how the trick was done. They just handed Morgan Freeman the script and he started reading the scribbles and no one was like, "Uh uh-oh, we'd better tell him to stop. (laughs) All right, fuck it. Or, Or like, no, it was just he started reading them and like he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. Like, he, they didn't have a character yet, and he was just, like, he was just stepping by the set because he just likes to crash sets sometimes. He's like, hey, let me read that. And you just start, and they're like, oh my god, yes, that's that's the missing link. That's what we need to complete this And movie. as part of our plan in order to completely bankrupt the studio, yo, Morgan, how much money do you need to be in this? Uh, 10, 20 mil? Make it 50. 50? Perfect. <laughs> you, you want 25? All right, we'll double it, 50. Okay, so my highlight is how the romance between Mark Ruffalo's character and the Interpol agent was so forced and so, like, undeserved that it made the twist, which is also incredibly forced and undeserved, and the very short romance between uh, Isla Fisher and Jesse Eisenberg's characters both seem slightly worthwhile. Because that's the first thing they reveal, is, like, that's the first big... I mean, I don't think it was meant to be a twist, but it might as well have been a twist, because it was, again, something that was never (laughs) set up, and then suddenly you get this payoff, and you're like, uh, okay, okay, movie. So, the way they set it up, because they they do set it up constantly throughout the movie, but the way they set it up is by just having Mark Ruffalo talk to her with his face way too close. That's it. That is the only, <laughs> like, that's romantic tension to these that's writers. True. Is Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when a man talks a little too close to your face, like, everyone knows. And constantly condescends <laughs> to you. And also, it, like, briefly humors your interest in magic. Then, yeah, that's that's how they set up this, this romance. Quote-unquote, set up. <laughs> but then, like, the next, pr- one of the next scenes is the big, uh, the movie's real big twist, which is supposed to recontextualize how you see the whole, the how the whole film was, which, <clears throat> zero set up, and then suddenly pay off, and you're like, uh, that's pretty annoying, but I'm still more annoyed by the fact that they're apparently dating now? Where the <laughs> fuck did that come from? And then... It, within that big twist scene, you have, like, Isla Fisher grabs Jesse Eisenberg's hand, and then, like, it's, like, for half of a scene. Not even half of a scene. Like, the last shot of the scene, and then they, they cut, and then they're not holding hands well, anymore. And you're like, alright, that was kind of <laughs> weird. But again, what was that thing with Mark <laughs> Ruffalo and the Interpol agent? I don't understand. Also, uh, when the completely undeserved twist occurs, with that had no setup, um, no reason for you to ever believe that there is any clues towards this um woody harrelson's character goes whoa i did not see that coming 
<laughs> and you're like, wow, that's what you're surprised about Woody Harrelson? <laughs> like, th- this movie is so fucking self-satisfied with its twists. Just, like, it it broke its spine patting itself on the back in that scene. Yeah, and again, earlier in the scene is when um, Jack Wilder comes back, and, and they're just, like, kind of acting surprised and happy to see him there. And you're like, but you knew he was alive! So there's so many times in that scene we're just angry. <laughs> you formulated the previous plan <laughs> with him. Yeah, like there's no way you're surprised by this. He was a key part. <laughs> all right, so if that's all of our our highlights, uh, I think we should move on to uh, Matt Facts. Matt Facts, presented by I guess me, <laughs> because I have the IMDb page open. All right, so. There's one point where Morgan Freeman is in a jail cell, and he says these bars give man a, give a man time to think, which is a line that he said in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, man, I did not know. That's a good Matt fact. <laughs> That's an incredible one. Uh, so my first, my first Matt fact is, John kind of gave it away earlier, but the director of this movie, Louis Leterrier, again, butchered. And he is probably, his, it looks like his first film is their transporter somehow that he's the director on. Damn. Yeah. Coming hot out of the gate. And then the last film, he well, not actually, one of the last movies he's listed as doing is uh, Now You See Me, which is interesting. But uh, in the middle, he did uh, Transporter 2. He did The Incredible Hulk, the one with Edward Norton. And then Clash of the Titans Unleashed, which I don't. I don't recognize that at all. But it's a Jet Li movie, right? Oh, it's a Jet Li movie. Oh shit! Oh, with Luke Besson. Oh, what? Oh yeah, Unleashed. Yeah, the one where he's like tormented and turned into a weapon, but then he gets his collar oh, off. Shit. Also has Morgan Freeman. Damn. All right. So yeah, this this director seems like he's actually done some really interesting work. And then uh, also now you see me. <laughs> I mean, like the. <laughs> the budget alone on this movie is insane. Like, in like all the actors they got in on it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this movie wasn't badly directed. It was really mostly the writing. Yeah. But uh, that's, just, uh, that's just my Matt fact. So, speaking of Isla Fisher, when they were filming the piranha tank scene, she actu- her handcuffs actually did get stuck. Oh shit, that does not bode well. And they almost didn't notice. Oh my god. Um, apparently she was stuck for three minutes before the stunt coordinator what? realized that she oh. was stuck. That she was actually drowning. Yeah, because she was... Um, I mean, I'm actually kind of impressed she held her breath for that long. That's a really long time to hold your breath. Well, in the scene she's supposed to be screaming and pounding on the glass. Which is even yeah. more impressive. And so, so she attempted to alert the crew by hitting the glass of the tank, but the crew thought she was acting. How did they not set up a safe like, word? If, if, like, if she'd just been calmly holding her breath, then they would have freaked out. Right? Yeah. But the fact that she was screaming and pounding on the glass, they were like, well, great if work. If anything's like, a problem, exactly then give us a double thumbs up, and that way we'll yeah. know. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly, so, like a hand signal. Yeah. Well, so there was a so she there was an emergency lever, but her handcuffs got stuck, <laughs> and so she couldn't pull it. I cannot believe the stunt coordinator did not realize earlier that she was stuck. I can't believe that their failsafe required her to have her hands free. Right. <laughs> in the scene in which she's handcuffed. <laughs> yeah. Like, part of me kind of wished that every time 
like, since they already did so many things, like, with crazy budget for their tricks, I kind of wish that every single time one of them faked their deaths, they actually just killed a stunt, stunt person. <laughs> like, <laughs> that they just duped them in, they're like, don't worry, like, the piran- like you'll get dropped in down through this chamber before the piranhas hit, you're fine. And then they the just... The piranhas <laughs> are definitely not just CGI. Yeah, they had her just devoured by piranhas, and then she's just in the crowd, like, covered in water. She pops out, like, complete sociopath. <laughs> Like, does not feel anything about killing that person. There's just a wig left over, so you know it was a stunt person in there. So, uh, I have a fact, which is, I've been ragging on on the budget, and uh, the producer's ostensible attempt to sink their studio didn't go well, because for a production budget of $75 which is a lot of money, it's not like Avengers money, but it's a lot of money, uh... They made 120, 117 million dollars domestic, and then 234 foreigns. So that on 75 million, they made 350 million. So they basically 5x their, their investment. <laughs> so, uh, real bad job, guys. You have to try harder to sync your studio. <laughs> we should look up the Now You See Me 2 budget. Uh, so, I, I have another Matt fact, which is that Isla Fisher is actually 41. I thought she was much younger. Damn. Also, so here's another quick little fact. John, you know that scene that you were complaining about with the with Woody Harrelson saying the thing about wearing sure. a dress? Yeah, apparently that's a reference to J. Edgar Hoover, who was the longtime director of the FBI, who after his death was revealed to be a crossdresser. Yeah. Doesn't really make it okay, though, does Doesn't it? really make it better. Doesn't really make it better. The it's a sly reference. It's a sly reference. It's a sli- it's it's not just a joke out of nowhere, I guess. But like playing that for a joke is still not funny. Like if nobody gets that, then like yeah. Also, Dave Franco's character like is very good at throwing yeah. playing cards. And apparently, he actually learned how to do that. Oh, that's so dope. It's such a fucking awesome skill. He was apparently on a radio show while promoting the movie and used his hotel key card to slice half of a banana into a, a quarter. That's so fucking dope. Yeah. I'm very excited because I feel like Dave Franco is going to be running around just doing, like, street street combat <laughs> magic. Which... And, like, nothing would please me more than to know that Dave Franco has become his character yeah. from Now You See Me. So, um, we're actually using this episode of the podcast to announce our Kickstarter for the Now You See Me MMO yes. that yes. we're going to make. We are definitely going to. It's going to be an open world, um, Heist like, game. Heist game. Heist game, but, like, also you can build your own magician base. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a lot of character customization. You can, uh, <laughs> if you get far enough as a magician, you can build a spaceship, and your spaceship's going to be totally customizable. Of course. And that'll allow you to pull off magic heists on other planets, like Mars. Oh, yeah. yeah, aliens have different forms of perception, so your sleight of hand might not be as effective. Um, but, you know, other things that humans would be- pick up on a lot easier, you know, those will work effectively against the aliens. Yeah, like, aliens don't understand, like, card games as well, <laughs> so it's a lot easier to just, like, trick them into thinking that, like, playing Go Fish is, uh, is a good magic yeah. trick. Also, some aliens actually have no ability to detect uh, sarcasm 
or uh, or falsehoods. So you can just straight up tell the alien, like, I'm not going to look at the card, but show it to everyone. And then when you know what card it is, they're really impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to have a very deep uh, and complex metagame, uh, but we, we hope it's it'll be satisfying for yeah. all of you to, there's, to enjoy. There's going to be... Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty excited because we're gonna jump on the the hot hot bandwagon of having uh, social deception is a is a part of our core design. Yes. Um. Yeah. Being <laughs> well, we can't give away any twists. So, um, <laughs> no matter how unearned. <laughs> but yeah, no, and they'll you know we'll have the primary four classes. Um. You know, the mentalist, uh, the the street magician, the close up artist, the assistant. Or uh, yeah, there's the escape artist, and there's totally assistant as a subclass. We're going to have a pretty diverse subclass system um that you can augment your main class's abilities with, um yeah. such as clown magic, uh which they use and now you see me. Clown no, clown magic was a is a crafting <laughs> uh, profession for balloon balloon animals is a crafting profession. <laughs> John has put an entire lighter into his mouth. I think he's, tr- he's trying to tell he's me something. He's trying to die. <laughs> I think he's trying to die. <laughs> he's just so done with this. Okay. he's <laughs> Now he's swallowed the lighter, and I'm very worried. <laughs> okay, so let's... Uh... It's part of my magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... You're, you're not playing your character from the Memorpica yet. You can't just swallow lighters. <laughs> So let's, uh, should we move on to our movie recommendations? Mm-hmm. Well, there's Now You See Me 2. Um, if you like the magic aspect, there's the prestige. And if you like the heist aspect, there's Ocean's Eleven. Well, that's basically all all movies. So I think Rob just swept <laughs> the category. Yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, you got, you got mine, which is definitely the prestige, which, like, uh, is similarly batshit is similarly highly spoilable uh, has has a similar amount of michael kane very similar amount yeah. of michael kane actually probably more michael kane in the prestige yeah um but it it does a great like everything about we were saying like they don't show you enough in order for the twists to be payoffs like the prestige does brilliantly where even when the twists are like completely left field when you go back and rewatch the film or just think about like what happened it it is completely mind-blowing and like chris nolan is good at making these puzzle box movies that kind of unfold and like reveal themselves to be much more than they are the first time you see them and the prestige i think is is probably his best by a long shot in that regard so that that's a great ass magician movie mm-hmm. with david bowie mm. With David Bowie. With David With Bowie, Bowie. Playing Nikola Tesla. Bowie. Nikola Bowie. We're going to be stuck on this for a while, so I'll <laughs> redirect this conversation. Uh, my recommendation is going to be for the Fast and the Furious <laughs> series, because we cannot recommend that, that movie series enough, apparently. But we, we talked about it a bunch and how, um, you know, it, the first movie was equally as batshit. And then, you know, the second movie connected a bit more. And um, I feel like if we promote Fast and the Furious enough, then that will uh, eventually help people see that Now You See Me is basically the same franchise, but for magicians and just keep making more of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and hire the rock. Uh, and also hire the rock. Yeah. So my, my movie recommendations are going to be, since you've all covered a lot of like the major things of this movie, but uh, the one thing I don't think you've really covered is, um, well, I guess like twists, right? So another Christopher Nolan movie I'd like to recommend is uh, Inception. 
Um, if you enjoyed this, that's also like a heist movie where a group of characters that has like various skills, but no real character development or background, just all come together and then do this ludicrous heist in order to accomplish a very simple thing. <laughs> it's uh, it's very very good in that regard, um, and it's it's one of those movies that like if you think a little too much about it, it becomes very dumb. But like if you just kind of like take it in. And, like, go, whoa, whenever, like, the twists do happen, then it's very satisfying. Uh, Other movies with uh, really just high quality, just fun in the sun, uh, exciting twists include Old Boy. I'm just going to leave that one out there. Um, Fun in the sun (laughs) is not... (laughs) You want a a movie with a real humdinger of a twist? (laughs) It's Old Boy. blood in the snow. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Those are my recommendations. <laughs> Please look up Old Boy before watching it <laughs> or showing it to your children. Please. No, watch, watch Old Boy, but know that it is very R rated and very unpleasant. Don't look it up because it, it would be rude to some extent. You know, I've never seen Old Boy. Oh, so you don't know. I've also never seen you, Old Boy. Oh, I guess we should watch Old Boy. Well, Old Boy is actually like very I mean, good, I've never, like art house kind of I've shit. never seen Prestige either. I mean, it's the only movie I can think of in which a man is stabbed to death with a CDR, so. <laughs> Specifically a CDR? I, I believe so. Yeah, I think it's a vertical. Yeah. Don't, um, <laughs> don't watch the remake, because the original is the one that will just, like, openly just fuck with you. Um, it also, uh, it's the one that introduced that hallway fight scene that you've been seeing in so many yeah. Marvel shows recently. Also an in Inception. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, okay, that was Inception's own. That was, like, some fourth-dimensional hallway fight scene. Like, they took it from the 2D I mean, yeah, to the 4D. But it, it was definitely inspired <laughs> yeah, true, by true. it. I say this having never seen Old Boy, so... Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure, having seen all of the Marvel hallway fight scenes... The Daredevil one was definitely, like, the most aping on the Old Boy one, but the Old Boy one's very much, like, it's 2D side-scrolling, like, the entire time. Um, gotcha. It's good. Yeah. Um definitely not the remake. Watch the OG. Okay. Not so do not watch the remake. Okay. No. I'm gonna put that in the, the show remake. notes like three times because I've already forgotten and you just told me. Yeah. The original I don't know if they even have the same twist in the remake. I don't think I I, I think someone would have like pa- after Old Boy came out, they've been like, Well, we never thought we'd have to pass this law now, but uh you're not allowed to do that in movies. <laughs> Um, also, I y'all need Jesus. I bet they didn't eat a live octopus in the remake. That's probably got a bit harder. Yeah, when so in the US, mm-hmm. they didn't film that in the US. Yeah, the um, the original one is as nasty as it needs to be. Um, that's all I'm gonna say. All right. So, does anyone have anything they want to plug? Um, if you like completely unearned twists, uh, John and I do a stoner podcast called Hypocrisy. <laughs> and characters that never develop. Um, <laughs> it's kind of... I like to, I like to feel yep. like uh, Hypocrisy has a slightly more scrutable plot <laughs> than you've, Now You See Me you've 1. You've spent at least two minutes <laughs> thinking about the plot, so... <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to check that one out, uh, you can go to hypocrisy.zone. Uh, for that podcast, or you can find it at Hypocrisy on Twitter, or you can find me. I'm John. I'm at 
T-H-E-J-O-N-A-G-I-L-L on Twitter myself. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Robert Justy, and I'm at the Rob Justy. That's T-H-E-R-O-B-G-I-U-S-T-I. I'm uh, Ryan Anderson, at Ryander on Twitter, uh, R-Y-E-A-N-D-E-R. And I'm Vivian. You can find me on Twitter as at GarbageClub underscore pod, which is G-A-R-B-A-G-E club, C-L-U-B underscore P-O-D. So we got Twitter, we got we're on Tumblr as the garbage club podcast dot tumblr dot com or the garbage dot club. Everyone should email us your bad movie suggestions or DM me or drop me an ask on Tumblr. If you have any bad movies that you love to make your friends watch, we would love to watch them also. And until next time, uh stay garbage, everyone. <laughs> Stay garbage. <laughs> Stay garbage. Hit me. <laughs>